Hello there and welcome to episode 79 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host Gary Turner and thank you for joining me today. Um, we're going to be sharing this time with the superb Olga Peeler, someone that I've got to know over the last few months, someone that joins regularly the Humans First calls, something I cannot recommend enough that you, the listener, also join. Incredible um, conversations every week should, uh, should this conversation appeal to you. Um, a couple of the things that I wanted to share with you in advance from this conversation were that Olga asked those searching questions, those philosophical questions around why am I here? What is it that I contribute to the world? How do I want to make the world a better place? And what would it be said in my obituary when I actually pass? And that, that last particular question is one that I've really pondered a lot the last few months since I had Ros Savage on my Have Courage Summit um, earlier this year. When she actually spoke about the fact of writing two obituaries, one for the path that you're currently walking and one for the path that you want to be remembered for. So, so powerful. And uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd assert that it's something for you to be thinking about if you're kind enough to join Olga and I in this conversation. Have a think about those two different paths. Olga also spoke about the fact that your customer experience will never exceed your employee experience. And to use a mathematical formula, your CX cannot be therefore equal to or greater than your EX. In order to create loyalty, you need a consistent experience. And I think this is such a powerful comment. And why it's so powerful is that consistency is a key part of trust. And of course, to build loyalty, we need trust. So yeah, really, really key reflection, that one for me. Uh, also made me think about a good friend, Laura Plaxton, and uh, some of the work she's been doing around uh, employee experience as well. And just a shout out to a few people that, uh, that get mentioned during this conversation today, such as Whitney Johnson and her podcast, Disrupt Yourself, Chris Lovett, The Minimalist, Tracy Fenton, CEO and founder of World Blue, Mike Vacanti, founder of the Humans First Movement, Caroline Packle, who uh, took me through a deep grounding around Theory U from Otto Sharma previously, and Piers Thurston and his... Uh, He's making change work business. Um, I often get his business mic a bit wrong just then again, but that's fine. So enjoy the conversation. I absolutely loved having this uh, deeper, deeper discussion with Olga. And uh, as always, we're grateful for a five-star review on iTunes. We can try and reach more people. I genuinely believe that there are not enough of these deep human conversations happening at work and at home. And if you agree with that, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review. Speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Tonight, I'm already laughing with my friend and peer, Olga Peeler, who has joined me this evening. Um, she is Director and Program Manager and Business Development Manager at a wonderful organization called M Making Everlasting Memories. And she's also founder of My Why. Welcome to the podcast, Olga. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, How we're already laughing. We're already laughing. So we're going <laughs> to have a good conversation. No, um, I am very well. Thank you very much. But what I'd like to do as we get going is for those that may not know you, just give us a little bit of a lowdown on who you are. You know, what, what do you do for work day to day? And what was your inspiration for My Why? How did that come into being? So I'm Olga Peeler, and part of what we were laughing is I was trying to explain to Gary how to pronounce my last name. And I said, yeah, just like a potato peeler. And actually, that got him completely uh, lost in the thought. <laughs> so um, my, my name is Olga. I am actually, uh, I was born and raised in Spain, and I came to the United States as a foreign exchange student. 
and I've been here ever since. It's like I, I, never, I never left. They couldn't get rid of me. And uh, I have spent uh, most of my career working for a wonderful organization, as, as Gary mentioned, called Making Everlasting Memories. We are in the uh, software as a service space, and uh, our mission is to help celebrate lives left. Uh, so we are in the funeral uh, space, help tell stories and uh, archive those memories and, and help families through their most difficult time in their lives. Mm-hmm. So with them, I have uh, helped develop uh, new programs to, to be brought to funeral homes across North America, Canada, and the U.S. And uh, I, I've, I've spent my career doing that. And, and, and that's gotten me now to a point where here I am and have been every day helping others uh, celebrate a life left. Mm-hmm. And that really got me thinking uh, to where in that purpose does it require that one has to be passed? So as I thought more about that, I, uh, I came up with, well, why am I here? What is, what is it that I contribute to the world? How do I want to make the world a better place? And uh, what would it be said in my obituary? when I actually pass. And that led me to, to start thinking about my why, uh, spell M-Y-W-Y, uh, and I created this site uh, called mywhy.io. And uh, really, it, it started with a personal purpose and a personal question, but then I extended it that to, to the world of an organization. And uh, really, what is the, the purpose of an organization? What is the gap that it exists between the practice values and the aspirational values within an, an organization? How are those left every day uh, to create a, a culture that then can actually consistently deliver in an experience that will lead to customer loyalty? My goodness. Like I've got 30 questions already. Do you know, the, the thing that's coming up from this, two things straight away, which is so powerful for me as you speak. One is cr- you're in the business of creating lasting memories for those that have passed. And I always think about Gary Reed, CEO of WD40, who his little lubricants can is around mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. lasting mm-hmm. memories. You know, mm-hmm. so whether you've passed, whether you're still here, there's something for me about how do we get into living the moment more and celebrating while we are here as well as what the great work you're doing at your organization, celebrating once we're gone. So there's something about why wait until the end in what you're speaking mm-hmm. about? Why aren't we making the most of what we've got as well? Yes, yes. I was talking with my boss just last week, and uh, we were talking about what's the purpose of our company and what are we doing. And, 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 and his response to me was so simple. He said, Olga, we are called making everlasting memories. That's our purpose. That's... You can then peel that onion back about that means every time we talk with a customer and the impact that we have in their life, the employees that are in our teams and how they feel about when they're at work and the experiences that we share with one another and with each other, it, it, uh, it, it applies to everything that we do and, and how we, we want to do it. We want to make memorable um, moments 
with everyone that we touch. And, and that just speaks to, to me and who I am. And you and I have shared the conversation about, I deeply believe that we are all walking miracles. And it is our responsibility to share uh, the gift that we have been given with the world. And uh, every interaction that we have with another human being is an opportunity for us to share that gift. I love, I want to just come back to that comment a moment. Where did that come from for you? I believe we are all walking miracles. There'll be some people maybe listening now going, cool, that's profound or, well, that's, that's really yeah, nice and cheesy. But I, I know you and I know that matters to your core. You believe that in your heart. Where did that come from for you? So my background actually is in neuroscience. And uh, so I do have a, a master's in uh, psychophysics. We used uh, it's, it's psychophysics because we actually use human observers. I was in the area of motion detection in the visual system. And um, it, we had to actually use, we cannot put an electrode on a human being to measure the cellular, the neural, uh, the neural uh, activity on the brain. Uh, so instead, we had to use math and mathematical models to, to model the behavior. So we would put in a, a stimulus, and then through the response, we would create a model. And so I, I, I studied a lot about how the brain works. And at the time, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that you and I are here today having that conversation, this conversation. And and uh, so I guess that's where I started to to think about us as, as walking miracles. And I, I told you uh, in the past about how it, it's a trillion cells. We have, you know, a trillion cells that make up who we are. And everything is just a electrochemical message navigating from one cell to the next. And all that had to happen for however many years and however many times for you to be sitting right across from me right now having this conversation. And any one of those messages going in a different way, in a different path, it would have made today different. And to me, that's just a miracle. And it's a gift that we have been given. And that's where my, my thought process comes from that. That's that's beautiful. It's funny. It makes me think of our mutual friend Cornell Thomas, and I remember what yes. he said to me when he and I spoke recently, which was, you know, "We as human beings have beaten one in four hundred billion odds of being here." Mm -hmm. And I just, I want people, if people are listening to us, or it's the first time, or they've listened to the podcast before, I just really want to hold a space for a second there. You know, if you're busy running around, reacting, you know, reacting to a boss that's maybe a bully, or you're getting frustrated at work, you know, just. Give yourself permission just for this second to think you are a walking miracle. Like, I don't think we give ourselves that much space to sort of digest and internalize that, do we? The, the perfection that has to be going on inside your body today for you to just sit where you are, it's amazing because anything else can cause a havoc and make things go wrong. And we all know cancer we all know all these things like so it's a perfect melody that has to play second after second after second for us to be able to sit here and just talk it's, it's, it's beautiful so i want to keep exploring this so where did the interest from your side going back to your education back to doing the masters in psychology mm -hmm. etc 
was that always something within like was there always that curiousness within you around people and the body and stuff or did that evolve you know where did that come from for you i you know when i was a kid i always i never actually i've never shared this with anybody so here we go i know oh my gosh when i was a kid you know when you think about what you want to be when you grow up i my out loud answer was i wanted to be an astronaut but my internal answer was I wanted to be an encyclopedia. And this is okay, so bear with me. But I would have at home back in the you know, I'm I'm not the youngest uh, of the bunch. So we actually had the, the encyclopedia albums that looked beautiful on the in the living room uh, for everybody to see. And I would actually grab it, grab a volume, and I would just look through all the names. And I would see who these people were and the contributions that they made and how they changed the world. And I, I would fantasize about one day my name is going to be here. And at that time, you know, encyclopedias, there were a lot of volumes, but it was a limited amount of space. So you had to do a nice contribution to be able to be there. Like nowadays with the web and Wikipedia, there's enough the space is not the same as it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, at the time, I thought, oh, it's just because I want to be famous. And then I thought, as I've grown and, and mature, I thought, no, it's, you have to have a meaningful contribution in order to belong there. And a lot of those, of course, were scientifically based and, and historical. Or, so I, I've, I've always been fascinated by, by that. And, and I'm pretty analytical. And I think naturally, I just gravitated towards human behavior and and biology and things like that well thank you for sharing i'm always so grateful when someone shares a little bit of them that's that vulnerability um a little bit of them they don't always share that's wonderful and i i actually love what you're speaking to as well which is uh, often we, we talk about that on this podcast is that curiosity part mm-hmm. like whatever was going on in your young mind at that time you had this deep curiosity to just envision that you could be in there one day. Yeah. Do you, how have you maintained that or how have you managed to hold on to that? Because you're clearly still very curious now, very passionate around that. So how have you managed to keep hold of it in the main as you become an adult? Because so often people lose that as they go to the world of work or they um, go into adult life. Yeah, and I believe I've lost that at times in my life. Uh, and uh, one of the ways is I read a lot. And now I'm hooked up to podcasts, <laughs> thanks to you, actually, Mister. And um, so I, I do read a lot, and then I get through these rabbit holes of one thing leads me to the next, and I ask a lot of questions, and and um, I think that's part of how I feed that curiosity. I like to experiment. I like to try things, and and. Um, I've been given the opportunity through work. And when you are in business and program development, for example, a lot of it is you're trying to implement a solution. So it's a lot through experimentation. What what worked, what didn't work, how do we build on? So in some ways in my work life, I've been able to, to get into a, a problem solving uh, type of positions that whether it was even customer service at the beginning is somebody calling with a problem and you got to, figure out what the solution is. And I think that helps keep you open-minded and um, curious as to how to, how to answer the question you have in front of you. 
so tell us a little bit for, for me and my listener for our listeners right now i'm really intrigued tell us a rabbit hole you've got lost down recently when you've read a book or something what's really piqued your interest and you've completely lost yourself within that mm. particular topic let me think let me think uh so i um <clears throat> I will, for example, uh, listen to, so I was, I was just uh, attending a, a summit, an online summit um, where Raj Sisodia was talking about uh, the healing organization. So then that led me to buy the book. So then as I was reading that book, I started to, uh, so I started reading the healing organization. And then from there, I, it kind of got me a little bit thinking about employee engagement. So then I started at the same time reading uh, Pat Lencioni's uh, book about the, it's the fable uh, with employee engagement. So then I went through that. And then at the same time in that summit, Miki Agrol was also presenting and she was talking about uh, disruption. And then I was starting, then I got curious about, well, so I, I started reading her book, uh, Disrupt Her. And then with that, a lot of sometimes, even the, the conversations you're having as of late about disrupting yourself and what that means. And so it, then it gets me to, okay, uh, chapter two of her book is about stuff and how we think to believe that success is the, the amount of things you accumulate. So then that brings me to our friend Chris Lovett and his minimalism and how he's now having the challenge. So the October challenge. So now I'm doing the challenge with him. And it's, it's, it's just one of the, everything is interconnected anyhow. And so those are the rabbit holes I get myself into. Um, but they're all kind of leading to the same place, which is a better version of me. Wow. Speak about that. What, why do you think all of these things are leading back there? Oh, that's okay. So I, I think that those things help me discover either things that are important to me, things that I care about, things that I believe in, and they give me the courage to keep fighting for them, I guess, to keep not silencing that voice that lives inside of me that says, this is what you stand for and this is, this is what makes your heart smile and these are the things that are important to you and you, sh you can educate yourself so that you can help educate others and they help me get away from the status quo and if I'm falling along the status quo, then I'm not being the best version of me. I'm being the status quo average version of everybody. Very powerful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I, I think there's such, such a strong message there for all of us around, you know, we don't all need to be game changers and changing the world, but I think we can all do it in our own way, can't we? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't have to be seen by everybody, but there can be that little bit of, you know, I, I've got a, a personal belief, Olga, that we're all here to grow 
and to contribute to something bigger than ourselves, whatever that means. It might be looking after your family. It might be bringing out the next product that gets us to Mars. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the scale of it, but I genuinely believe we're all here to make a contribution bigger than the time we've got on the planet. And I just wonder if the way organizations are structured to come onto a corporate organizational setting a little bit, and maybe some of your work Mm -hmm. and your thinking, what, what is it that we need to do to try and help more people experiment more, to live their purpose more at work, to be able to do what you're doing and stay in that curiosity and feed this? Because basically what I'm hearing you say, you're feeding your soul and not mm-hmm. just your mind mm-hmm. and your brain. And like, so, so what, what do we need to do more of or what, you know, what do we need more of in the workplace to, to allow more people to step into that space, do you think? The first thing that I encounter as a barrier is that there's a lack of acceptance that that is okay. And so I guess the first thing I would do is we need to provide organizations and the people running the organizations uh, with the realization and and the acceptance that this is necessary, that you can't hide in the excuse of, well, we are a large organization, this is how business has been done. I, 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 f- I feel like that's where a lot of the pain starts to get originated from. There is these blind, they're looking we're looking at the world with these lenses that are not they don't work but we're not giving ourselves the permission to take the lenses off to look for a different to look through a different lens and instead we just kind of keep at it Mm, that's that's really what in your in your experience or in your belief what what keeps people or leaders with those lenses fixed to their face and with that sort of narrower view of what is possible. Fear. Yeah. Fear. But to me, what I think about fear and what gets tricky about fear is the worst fear is the one you're not even aware of. It's like tricky. It hides. So you can't fight it because you don't, it doesn't show up as that. It shows up as different things, like maybe it's procrastination, maybe it's it's a different, but you don't you don't understand this fear. And particularly, I believe as a male, which right now, when you look at companies and CEOs, uh, majority would be males. You're not allowed to have fear. So mm-hmm. how are you, how are we going to, how are we going to fight something that we can barely see and we're not allowed to have? Interesting mix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very interesting. But I think that leads us nicely to the title of this podcast. So obviously around vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. What does vulnerability mean to you as Olga? If you're going to describe it to one of these leaders, they're leading an organization, they can't see that fear going on for them, but maybe as one of the 
one of the tools or maybe something they could use to try and step into understanding that fear might be to show a bit more of themselves. You know, mm -hmm. If you were looking to try and explain what vulnerability meant, how would you describe it as old? I would, uh, I would describe it as a level of self-awareness that gives you the confidence to share that internal you with the rest of the world. But you need to be self-aware enough that you're confident to share it. Mm -hmm. So I think that part of being vulnerable, a big part of being able to be vulnerable is you need to be confident within yourself. That's really interesting. What I'm sensing you'll speak to a little bit, and um, we, we both know a wonderful human being called Tracy Fenton from World Blue. And I remember her doing some work with me on self-worth, mm -hmm. getting the feeling you're sort of mm. speaking a little bit towards, do we believe like if we're not good enough, we're going to be able to show some of that to the rest of the world. Right? Yes, yes. So it's, it's just having that confidence that you know who you are without judgment. Mm -hmm. And then through that process, you're able to freely share with others where you are, who you are. But it's this... So it's, it's really showing up as yourself, but you have to know who you are first. Otherwise you can't show up as yourself. <clears throat> do you think it's easier to be vulnerable in community? Or do you think people in your opinion, maybe need to find their own way first? And I don't, I don't know the answer. You, it's like, yeah, it's a wonderful no, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, Research would tell you that in community, we tend to be less self-accountable sometimes, so that the whole share responsibility. So if you're going to be in trouble, you don't want to be in trouble in front of a bunch of strangers or in front of a bunch of people because then you're less likely to get help. So community in some ways makes us less self-accountable. And I do believe to have vulnerability, you do need to be accountable. Uh, but maybe it talks about the, the type of community and the type of connection, because at the same time, when you are in community, in true community and in true connection with others, you are also then a bigger version of yourself. Well, I don't think we have a better segue than how you and I first met with the human's mm -hmm. first conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you're speaking to beautifully, which is that community of people that get together every mm -hmm. week and for whatever reason are able to show that an awful lot of their full mm -hmm. self mm -hmm. without knowing anybody else. Like, like it's, I find it quite incredible what Mike Vacanti with the support of Kevin has brought to life. Mm -hmm. How do we get 30 people on a call, Olga, all bringing their fullest, genuinely fullest self mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like every week, week in, week out? It's, like, it's, it's unreal, isn't it? So, so maybe it goes to the core of what's community. So community is just a, a bunch of people, just a bunch of people, maybe no. But if it's the true sense of uh, community, which is where connectedness uh, lives and resides and, and, and you're truly, it's like your heartbeat is an extension of somebody else's heartbeat. And then 
their 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 truth and it makes you see your truth you know i like to you know how i like to say be seen and see others i feel i feel like our first responsibility is for us to to show ourselves so that others have the ability to to show themselves and then it's your responsibility to see them as themselves and beautiful Got me thinking now, Olga. Got me. I know. That's, I know. Audience, we apologize for the silence, but we are actually <laughs> thinking. Do you want to know something, though? We don't, with all due respect, you kind listener, we don't apologize. Sometimes this happens where actually, you know, you get to a certain natural pause. And mm-hmm. one of the things I learned is actually beautiful. I was on a, a, an event with a friend, uh, Colin Smith, the listener, as he's affectionately known. Um, he invited me along to an organizational development event a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. And we actually did an event on dialogue. And I wrote a blog about this, which I'll attach to the show notes. And honest, honestly, I've never experienced anything like it, where literally the lady leading it, um, I believe her name was Caroline, and she does work with Extension Rebellion, you know, so the climate change protesters and whatnot. But she was taking us through dialogue and showing the power of silence. We had a, a circle of around 25 people sat there, and at first, she said, like, only speak if you feel the need to speak. And me being the first, I was like, oh, I sort of feel the need to speak. I like that. <laughs> but it was about a minute. I then said something. It was pretty, it wasn't particularly insightful, but it's just what I felt in the moment. But then as I went through this experience for an hour, there was up to a six-minute silence in this group of 25 people. Then someone would just go bang. And it was, it was unbelievable. It was the most, I literally stood up at the end of this hour and I, I wrote it in my blog. I felt like I had steel mm-hmm. rods going from the sky through the whole of my body out the bottom of my feet. I was just so grounded. It was, it was a spirit, you know, it was a closer thing to a spiritual experience. It, mm-hmm. But I knew exactly where I was. I knew who I was with. And it was just that complete loss of self. Like you were just, it's like when you're asleep. You know, Piers Thurston said um, on, a, on a, a, an event recently, where does your where does your mind go when you're asleep? Where? <laughs> Who knows? But this is the point. Like we're so yeah. used to logicizing, like, being intellectual about everything. We're actually, and I find you fascinating because you've yeah. got this real strong scientific background, but clearly have a very deep spiritual energy at the same time. So I'm really interested. Is that have you always been aware of that? Are you comfortable with that? Is it something you've had to sort of allow to be? You know, how's that sort of mix come about for you? Um, I, you know, it's maybe the way it's just the way my life developed. So right up until I was 26 years old, I was up to my elbows in research. I spent time in Australia at the Victorian College of Optometry, uh, working on on finishing up a PhD on texture segregation. And there I was using cats. And so, and then here I come and I go to a world where it's all about human lives and loss and it's all about the heart. So for the, for the past 18 years, I've been in a very human environment uh, when it comes to business to which I have applied a lot of 
the techniques and, and, and analytics and research and way about implement, implementing or testing a hypothesis uh, when you're trying to roll out a program. And uh, so that very scientific background just kind of came into a very human business. And maybe that's where now is the combination of both. That's beautiful. That's so, so cool. Love that. Love that. So what's next for my why? So you've done some wonderful work with making everlasting memories. You've got my why as enough. What, what do people need to know about to try and get in contact with you to make for you to maybe help them see their why more fully in themselves? So one of the things that I, I uh, have started is a series of the, the first module and it's the bigger module is called the secret life of organizations. So part of that is my learnings through at, Ma at MEM, Making Everlasting Memories. We started as a very small company. So it's sort of like going from a startup to 18 years later, being part of a large corporation. And, and so what happens in that life uh, span of an organization. So uh, I, there I, apl I apply a lot of the principles about maybe you start with a very clear purpose and, and a very tight team, but then as, as it grows, what, what happens and do you lose your spark? And uh, it's almost like a, if you could even compare it to a human being that is starting and you start to learn and then you kind of go through your terrible twos and then you're doing all right and then you're the rebel teenager and you have the midlife crisis. And so kind of taking uh, people through through that journey. And uh, it's a so you, you could join, a, sign up for one of, of those uh, sessions. The other one then is breaking it down into the three components that I find are very important. So then I, it, this is my in a world where you can be anything series. So I have where in a world where you can be anything, be you. And that's all about finding purpose, whether it's for you personally or as an organization. Mm -hmm. Then that moves you to in a world where you can be anything, be kind and that's about leadership and leadership development and uh, what are the qualities uh, of leadership and how do you get your leadership aligned to match your purpose and then the last one then that least it's in a world where you can be anything be loved and that's about customer loyalty which at the end of the day lives and breathes in your culture because one of the things, I, as I've read and I've observed and I've experimented, that I've realized is that your customer experience will never exceed your employee experience. And to put it on mathematical terms, I would say customer experience greater equal, that means cannot be greater or equal than your employee experience. And... The reason why I say that is from everything that I know, in order to create loyalty, you need a consistent experience. And if you have to show up day in and day out in a consistent matter, no matter what you do, your employees have to be engaged and you have to have a, a winning culture or how, however you want to describe it, but you have that will show in your culture. That's really cool. I really love that. I've, I've heard, yeah, so uh, a good friend, Lara, Lara Plaxton mm -hmm. speaks about yeah. um, employee experience and, and 
shareholder experience, et cetera. But I really like that. I love that, that, yeah. So customer experience can never be greater than the employee experience. Mm -mm. You can transactionally. So once in a while, you, you can, of course you can. But to get to loyalty, not mm -hmm. satisfaction, but loyalty, that requires consistency. And you cannot get consistency or your consistency will equal your employee experience. So it's really nice because what you're speaking to so beautifully for me is that is a very much a human connection that drives loyalty. Of course, mm -hmm. you can have an element of tech and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bonuses and discount, which helps loyalty. But what I'm sensing is the longevity is going to come still from a human connection. Yeah, lo loyalty is a feeling. Loyalty is a feeling and it's the responsibility of the customer. The steps that lead to that feeling are the responsibility of the organization. Cool. You're throwing some nuggets out today, Olga, I tell you. I'm going to have to listen back to this. That's really cool. Really cool. But loyalty, loyalty is a feeling. It's a feeling of love. It's an emotion. And it's the responsibility of the customer. Nobody else can provide that. The steps that lead to that feeling are the responsibility of the organization. I think that's, it seems obvious. It's not always obvious, but it seems obvious. If you think about it, again, part of what we discussed earlier on in this conversation is it's all on us. Our, our human experience as an individual is all what we mm -hmm. see ultimately inside out mm -hmm. you know you can't you olga can't say to gary i believe that you will now be more loyal because of x mm -hmm. i've got to feel mm -hmm. that it's going to make you more loyal mm -hmm. so whilst we're part of this beautiful interconnected single human race we've still got all of our unique parts to play in it which mm -hmm. is exciting and and honestly that's how i ended up in my way i mean because i've always been because of my roles very much into the customer and the customer experience and creating loyalty and enduring relationships. And as I dwelled more into what I, I needed to do to, to do that, then I started to peel the onion and then I was like, okay, well, consistently I have to provide that experience. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, I need to make sure that my, my team does that every day. Well, how do they do that? Well, that's through their culture. Well, how do they how do we create culture? Well, that's through alignment in leadership because the leader, the frontline leader is ultimately kind of directing or, or by the lack of direction, creating that culture. Well, how do the leaders get aligned? Well, then they need to have a purpose. And are they clear about the purpose? And is that purposely, a purpose clearly defined and articulated and, and, and the values? And so at any point in time, any of those things could go array. So not, the problem is not always that there is no purpose or the problem is not always, it, it, it could be that the breaking point could be anywhere on those. And it's the trick is to then go into an organization and help them determine where is it. Sometimes you have a great purpose and you have a great, uh, the team is aligned and even the culture is, it's, it's good, but they're not identifying then what behaviors they should be demonstrating day in and day out to their customer so that the customer could truly receive the gift that you're trying to provide them. That's, that's really helpful, actually. If I think about, I know a few other organizations in my network as well, and it's actually the, the converse can sometimes be a challenge for organizations, which is they may have a very strong financial product or performance, 
but have a very poor culture. So they might be making money, but the, the health of the organization is very, very toxic or unhealthy and there's illness and stress and whatever else. So what we're speaking to with both of those angles is the importance of being intentional around spending time on your people and culture regularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I think as the consumer, uh, customers and consumers are moving on, we are, you know, branding and what's a brand is, is changing, right? So your, your frontline employees at the end of the day are your brand inside and outside of work hours. And, uh, that's where maybe you have an organization that is performing well, but how much better could it perform if those things were aligned? And are you, are those consumers at the end of the day getting the ultimate gift that you are there to provide them? Or are they getting a watered down version of that gift because your culture is not aligned? and and healthy well that's a mic drop moment if i've not ever heard one (laughs) we need to have another conversation i'll go that's wonderful right we're going to need to look to wrap up because this is i could be here another two hours so you are awesome thank you so much for sparing your time um i'm going to put in a little extra thing here though because if anybody that's listening to this that may be in europe or may be interested to be in switzerland in a couple of weeks time maybe in fact when this goes out It might even be the week afterwards. Um, Olga's coming to Europe um, to spend some time at the Ignite conference and also Hacking HR. It's going to be myself, Olga, Jane Edhead Grant, Cornell Thomas, Arga Bayer, Nuria Rojo. There's going to be a lot of very good people in Zurich and St. Gallen across the 22nd -hmm. to the 24th of October. So if you can be there, come and meet this amazing human, Olga. So how can people find you and reach you between now and then in case they do see you? Absolutely. Well, I'm in LinkedIn. I've, uh, I'm in Twitter now. <laughs> I didn't used to be, and now I'm tweeting my heart out. Uh, so you can find me at Olga at myymywy.io. That's, that's my email. You can find me on LinkedIn as Olga Peeler, P-I-E-H-L-E-R. And again, you can also find me on Twitter. And I do hope you reach out. I honestly, guys, I'm doing that. You can't see us, but I'm doing the I see you sign because <laughs> uh, I do hope you got that reach out. Um, I love meeting new people and um, you will make my life better by reaching out. I will be better off if I know you than if I spent my life not knowing that you were there. That's, that's a beautiful sentiment. And for anyone that is listening, this is one of the most heartfelt comments from a really genuinely awesome human being so do reach out do connect with olga and uh, until next time olga thanks for your time hi there just gary attorney your host here thank you very much for joining olga and i in this conversation Absolutely beautiful um, discussion for me personally. I really hope that you took some um, reflections away from it. I just love Olga's authenticity and her genuine belief that we are all walking miracles um, and to somewhat um, evidence in her own um, neuroscience background. The perfection that has to be going on inside your body today for you just to sit where you are 
it's amazing. Anything else can cause havoc and make things go wrong. Just in amongst all the busyness and the reactivity and our time-pressured lives, how does that make you feel in the moment if you're listening to my reflection now? That just for us to even be here, is a, we are all walking miracles or sitting miracles, <laughs> depending where you are. Just beautiful. Such a powerful reflection for me. She also spoke about the fact that a level of self-awareness that gives you the confidence to share the internal you with the rest of the world is her definition of vulnerability. She speaks about that you need to be confident, but it, ultimately it's really about showing up as yourself. But you do need to know who you are. To be vulnerable, you need to be accountable. And I think that latter point is one of the really, really key points here. We are all already enough. I say this an awful lot in podcasts, in my communications. However, to own that, we do need to be accountable. All good, bad and indifferent. And to be accountable means we need to be vulnerable. So, so powerful. I also enjoyed Argos speaking about the fact that we're looking at the world with lenses that are not working but we're not giving ourselves the permission to take the lenses off, to look through a different lens. Fear is the major cause that people leave the clouded lenses stuck on their faces. Really, really powerful metaphor that for me. And she also spoke about the fact that fear is tricky, it hides. And I've had my own experience of dealing head on with fear. That's when I had some support from Tracy Fenton from World Blue around dealing with that through her power question. And I just, yeah, it really does help you to peel the onions off. Um, of fear um, you know one example this afternoon um, I'm recording these uh, reflections the Sunday before the podcast goes out and I was driving along um, on the road earlier today and I was stuck at a traffic light because the bus there was a, a public bus had actually stopped before its allocated space and I judged the traffic lights um, such that I ended up being stuck in the middle of the road. Literally, I wasn't blocking anybody in, but I'd gone way past the, the place I should be. And I was clearly marooned in the middle of between these two different sets of lights. My initial feeling was to go, oh, you idiot, why didn't the bus? I could hear my, my ego kicking up. Oh, the bus, why is it stopped so short? Why don't you drive around it? And I just started laughing at myself because that was the top of the onion. I laid blame on the other person. But actually below the surface was my embarrassment, my shame that I was stuck way past where I should have been uh, at the traffic lights. As simple as that. It's a really silly little example. But I think if you, it's just such a common occurrence where that, that ego kicks up and starts telling you some untruths or you start telling yourself some stories in your head. So, yeah, it's tricky. Fear is tricky. You know, self-deprecation is tri tricky. Our ability to knock our self-worth down is tricky. So, yeah, just know you're good enough. Know that we come in and out of being the best versions of ourselves, and that's okay. Um, but finding purpose, being clear as to what our core values are, I tend to try and base that on two now, after reading Brene Brown's Daring to Lead work. And yeah, reach out to Olga, connect with her. She's a huge inspiration. I'm going to get to meet her in real life for the first time um, this Tuesday as I head to Switzerland for the Ignite conference and also Hacking HR in Zurich, which our mutual friend Nuria Rojo, podcast guest of the previous week, um we'll be facilitating so yeah please get involved please connect with olga please connect with myself you can find out more and my find more out about me and my work if you go to the listening organization.co.uk um there's also a live event which i'm now uh, putting on with mike picanti founder of humans first which is going to be the first humans first two-day retreat uh, in dorset on the south coast of the uk across the 6th and 7th of may 2020 
most of the rooms are already gone, the overnight rooms. We do still have delegate rates for both the 6th and the 7th of May 2020. And uh, speak to you soon. I really hope that you can offer some feedback, what resonated, what you challenged. And until next time, we'll be on to the massive Big 8-0, um, episode 80 next week. And uh, speak to you soon. Have a fantastic week, whatever you're doing.